Hey, Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Little Better. We are glad that you are joining us. And this is an exciting day because on this day, the year of our Lord, 2020, on Monday, May the 11th, Governor Cuomo was in Arondacoit, New York, and gave an announcement related to the reopening of New York State. What an exciting day. Insert applause right there, Connor. Insert (laughs) Insert applause. Yeah! (laughs) So, uh, regardless of what you may or may not think about Governor Cuomo, the fact that we're talking about reopening our state is very exciting. (laughs) Very exciting. I think a lot of people are cheering and dancing right now because Mm -hmm. this has significant impact on people's lives. Yeah, and massive. I'm, I'm encouraged because there's news that's important. I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been watching the news very carefully over the last couple of weeks and almost nothing that has been said has made, has like meant nothing. anything. Yeah, it's it just has. like, we're just spinning on nothing. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to downplay updates. Updates are important and right. you know, people dying is important. Totally. So don't want to downplay that. But this is like the good news that so many people wanted to hear And, you know, even though phase one doesn't necessarily impact us as a church, like as a whole in the gathering sense, this means Mm -hmm. a lot of people can go back to work. Maybe our Webster campus can kind of like get some construction people there, crews, so we can finish that job and get it ready for when we do have live gatherings. Uh, And this is momentum. You know, this phase one, two weeks, if everything goes right, we go to phase two. And this just means we're that much closer, closer to getting back to normal for everybody. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, no one wants to be normal except now. Like everybody's like, yes, normal is the good thing. Let's go. <laughs> Please Let's get me normal. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, you know, two weeks, that could be amazing. I think the most common sense thing to me in this whole process has been them breaking it up by region. I think that's so smart. I mean, like, I think we, we could all probably use maybe the government moving that way as a whole rather than just <laughs> during this yeah. time. But anyway, I think that's really smart. And I love that our region is able to, you know, kind of get things rolling. And, um, you know, it could be, we could be in phase four. And for, for me as a Henrietta campus pastor, that's phase four is the one I'm keeping my eyes on. Cause that means the entertainment industry, which make hopefully means movie theaters, which hopefully means we're getting closer. Obviously we have, we honestly have no idea and we're just finding out this news. So we're just putting our heads together about what it means. But, um, yeah, progress. It's it's an update that actually has impact. And, you know, Governor Cuomo deserves a lot deserves a lot of applause for just actually getting on a microphone and talking every day for an hour. Yeah. And and having something worth saying. That's itself kind of impressive. Yeah. And if, if you're if you're listening and you're wondering what this means for us, I, I would just say, you know, keep your eyes and ears out for emails and videos, updates. Right. Um, you know, as we continue in these phases, we'll continue to send up updates of what this looks like for our church, for our gatherings, for our small groups, for you know, people coming back, just all these things, each phase will impact us a little bit differently. And so we're going to try to guide our church as we go through each phase, through email, through all the communication forms. You nailed it. So this past Sunday was Mother's Day, and I don't know that I can remember a Mother's Day where it snowed before. That might be a first. I'm not sure can I want to remember one that <laughs> snowed. <laughs> 
the most depressing <laughs> thing right there ever. <laughs> yeah, we're not like we're not out in the field like cutting lilies for mom. We're like <laughs> I think when that happened, everybody in Rochester forgot about COVID nineteen for like. <laughs> a day and just was angry at something else. It's called snow. Like, oh my goodness. My poor flowers were like emerging. They were blooming. My petunias were starting to spread. And then they were like, what the heck is this? <laughs> oh. Welcome to, I saw an art, a headline that said something to the effect of like, it snowed on May the 9th and Rochesterians played golf and mowed their lawn. <laughs> I had multiple people ask me, is Jesus returning? We're in a pandemic. It's snowing right now. Like what else is going to happen? Like I'm waiting for Jesus to, to, to see him swoop down. That snowstorm was one of the four horses, horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> That's right. Oh man. Uh, we misread. We mistranslated the Greek. Uh, I feel, like, I feel bad for anybody who planted their garden early this year. Oh, like, you yeah. know, you just like, you're getting ahead. Everything's going yeah, well. You've got extra time. <laughs> you planted all your like tomatoes and everything's dead. You got to start over. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, there's no... Oh, I don't know how you beat it. We actually have, I don't know anything about plants, but we have what I think is a magnolia tree. It's a big old flowering tree in my backyard. Um, and a guy came over, um, a guy from the Henrietta campus came over for summer group and he identified as a magnolia and he knows things. So I'm going to go with his diagnosis. And it actually is like really pretty blooms. And this year, like you said, they started to come out. I'm pretty sure we're not going to see them because they all just died <laughs> this weekend. But anyway, th- speaking of moms and Mother's Day, I thought it'd be kind of fun to have you and maybe both of us get to share a little bit. Like what's a favorite funny memory of your mom growing up? What's something that either like something she always did or a specific time? Just give us a little bit of, give us a little bit of Laura here. Um, favorite memory. I don't know if I have one favorite memory. I, I can remember my mom. So growing up, we were all scared of dad, but mom was kind of a pushover. And so I can remember my mom, like we'd be bad as boys. And I can remember my mom having like this plastic spatula and her like chasing us around the house. Like you're going to be in trouble. You're we're going to, you're going to get a spanking. And yes, we believe in spanking. Sorry, everybody the, the cat's out of the bag. Um, but like, I remember, I just have this vivid picture of my mom with a spatula in her hand and us being like, mom, what are you going to do with that? Like, seriously, like, but the moment she said, I'm telling your dad, when he comes home, we all like went white as ghosts and were like, right. we're in trouble. Right. Yeah. Sorry, mom, Another if you're change. listening, that's probably not the memory you wanted me to share, <laughs> but I just have this vivid picture of my mom chasing us with a spatula around. Yes. What about um, you, Aaron? Any, any spatulas in your house? <laughs> Oh yeah. There were lots of spatulas, lots of wooden spoons. Um, the spanking thing got definitely was, was happening in Sandusky, Ohio. That's for sure. Um, one memory I have though, is I played tennis in high school and college and, uh, I am very competitive and I don't always have great self-control, which is a nice polite way of saying I scream a lot when I make mistakes in tennis (laughs) and I get really angry and throw things. Um, Imagine, yeah, never mind. Don't I, I don't imagine it. Anyway, my mom would uh, would always quote this one Bible verse at me. I'm not sure that she was always. They were at tennis matches. They were very supportive, but like, I don't know that she actually ever really watched. I don't think she really cared about me playing tennis. She but once I started, yeah, <laughs> right. Once she started, I started yelling or making a fool of myself as I would, especially in high school. She would always like, if a ball like went over to the side and I had to kind of like walk over and get it, she like walk up to the fence and she would always just whisper. 
this verse from Proverbs. She'd be like, Aaron, like a city that's broken down and without walls is a man who selects self-control. And then she would just walk away. <laughs> she would literally quote Proverbs at me about how I have no self-control. And so I'm like a city that's broken down without walls. And I would always just be so mad. <laughs> that helped my anger. Not at all. I feel but, like uh, this uh, explains a lot. I feel like I'm getting a, a fuller picture of why you are the way you are. <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, she would, she would school me with some Bible verses while I'm out playing tennis for my public school. I'm out there trying to be like a good example. We would be saying pi squared, not, not that I knew those words then, but try to live pi squared. And I'm the one guy in my tennis court who's a Christian (laughs) and screaming. (laughs) It was not good. It was not good. She was right to correct me. But, uh, okay. How about switching to the other mom in your life? How about Ashley? What's, what's a maybe a story that typifies her motherhood or just something that you think she does well? You know, I, I think the thing I love most about my wife and I, I will cherish th- these pictures is, so I, I've probably said this before, but Ashley, um, she gets up early and she has her quiet time. She journals and reads books and she does it right in our master bathroom. She closes the door and she, uh, she, she puts the heater on. It's about a thousand degrees in the room. So like I stay far away as I can. Cause it's so hot in there. Like I walk in instantly become hot and angry. Like she's reading her Bible and I'm like this stupid place. I can't, I just want to brush my teeth. But anyway, our kids, when they wake up, like, so, so we get up early and you know, we do our quiet times or whatever. And we got, you got to get up before the kids or you got no right. shot. And so <laughs> I just love the example. I will walk into the master bathroom. My kids won't even bother waking me up because they want to sit with mommy and write in their journals and, mm. you know, read their Bibles. And it happens all the time in our house. The kids just, they don't bother waking daddy up. If he's sleeping, they just go in the master bathroom where it's a thousand degrees. They all have a sauna fest. In the incubator. And, <laughs> and they all have like little journals. Joelle's got a little journal where she's writing down her, I don't know what she writes down. And I'd stay away from any woman's journal, but it's just, I mean like that just solidifies who my wife is. And it's, I, mm. I just love that about her. So like from five, three and two, she's instilling quiet times into our kids. And yeah, that's, I think that's just really valuable. So probably one of my favorite memories. Yeah. Um, mine is more related to just the fact that Lauren is, um, she's so in tune and insightful to our kids, uh, insightful about our kids. The, you know, mother's no, mother knows best. And of course I would expect that Lauren knows our kids really well, better than I do in, in their little nuances. But like, it, it was a learning curve for me to, to really see that. Like I remember with Grayson, he was a couple, I don't remember how old he was enough to be sitting up in his high chair and eating food, like stuffing, you know, peas and carrots or whatever. And it's not probably not carrots, probably peas and corn or whatever in his mouth. <laughs> so whatever, um, you know, little mixed veggies. And he, he went through this phase, like, you know, whatever, 10 or 11 months old or something where he would be like throwing the food onto the ground, but he was like looking at you as he did it. And I just thought like, you know, our first kid, I'm like, ah, he's cute, whatever. Lauren um, like could sense, she would just say like, I think that he's doing this on purpose. And so she started like correcting him on that behavior. And he would like, you just the, the fact that she knew that I would have, I would have waited till he was like four before I realized he was doing it on purpose. (laughs) And she was like right on the leading edge of like, I think he's doing this in rebellion. And she would correct him. And then he would like, she started saying like, no food on the floor. And he would just start like bawling immediately. And I'm like, 
how did you know he could understand? (laughs) And so like just silly things like that, where she knows and catches their trends like a hundred years before I do. And then once she says it, I'm like, I don't know. And then about two weeks later, I'm like, okay, that was definitely right. Like with Lincoln, he has this thing where he always rubs his nose when he's tired, which that's, that's like a normal baby thing, but I don't know anything about babies, but like, I don't know, he's four months old. And she's, she was like, I think when he rubs his nose, he's tired. And Grayson didn't do that, but like, it is a dead giveaway with Lincoln legit. Like he rubs his nose once and within five minutes, he's going to be screaming to go to sleep. (laughs) And so she's just like catches that stuff so well. And so anyway, that we're just, yeah, that's what Mother's Day is about. It's talking about how our, how our wives and moms are great. So, you know, I heard, I heard once Aaron that, um, I forget who said it. Maybe it was me because it's so profound. (laughs) (laughs) i I can't Um, wait for what this is about to be someone said men have sight women have insight Mm. and Mm. i always thought that was i was like that is my wife like that is i like i'm the dreamer i see the like the big picture my wife doesn't bother that much stuff when it comes to details and insight like my wife is just really wise like when i need insight man i'm i'm going to my wife because she just thinks about things differently than i do i just thought that was it always, it's kind of stood out to me. I go to Ashley too, for the record. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> it's that quiet time, man. That's, what's, that's, that's why right. I go to her. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's jump into your, what you talked about from Sunday about a life that matters. Um, you know, kind of the origin of this talk, as I think back, you know, we were brainstorming, um, like what are the kinds of things that death brings perspective on. And one of the things immediately after your dad's death and the funeral and all that kind of stuff, you were just talking about how like, you're not sweating small stuff right now. Like just very little in regards to the little things is making you frustrated or even that you're not even thinking about it in a way that you were before. Right. Um, and that's kind of where the heart of this was. Um, so yeah, just in a big picture, talk to me a little bit about what that feeling is and how that translated into trust more than worry. Yeah, I think when something significant happens in your life, like the death of a, you know someone you love, or you know anything that is significant, it, it again it does that. What we've been talking about in this whole series is it brings perspective and it reveals to you what really matters, what does, should get your attention, and what shouldn't. And I think the problem is, is you know we've said in this series you got to give the right attention to the right things. I think worry gets our attention all the time. Not all the time. That's an exaggeration, but like a lot of the time we, we spend so much time worrying about things that the things that actually need our attention don't get it. And, um, you know, when my dad died, I, I didn't worry about anything. If I worried about anything, it was how is mom and how is my family? How am I like how we, those are things that actually do matter in life. And I just think, you know, when something significant happens in your life, you realize what should I, what should I waste my time really thinking about? Cause your mind is a powerful thing. And I don't think a lot of people really think about all that just sits in their mind that distracts them, that haunts them, that, you know, right. the mind is really significant in our lives, but it's weird because it's not a physical thing. It's, 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 it's just there, but it, it eats up a lot of our energy and our, 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 our space. And it causes us to act based off of what's sitting in there. And so 
I, I just think when my dad died, it cleared some space in my mind for things that actually belonged in there and were valuable and important. Yeah. And it has a way uh, we, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about it because we've, this has been the focus of this series, but it has a way of removing peripheral items that, that, you know, maybe someday they come back in. Like I, I think maybe a silly thing is like the NFL draft or the Cowboys in general. I know you're a huge fan. Like Excuse I would have, that has never left my mind. Okay. <laughs> I was going to I just want to bring clarity. Like, <laughs> excuse me, sir. But that does matter, doesn't it? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding. I just wonder, like, how, how has something like that, like, has that been on your mind less? In what ways have you thought about, you know, Andy Dalton coming to the Cowboys? Has that been like, have you thought about that differently in this phase as a result of, you know, something big being on your heart and mind like this? Yeah, I've thought about how, you know, anybody who's a sports junkie or, or is in, you know, invested in a team when your team loses, like there are times where you can like not go to sleep because of the events that happened in a game. Right. Like I've, I've been there. Like you put, you put your heart and soul and cheering for people you don't even know. Right. Who don't <laughs> give a rip of who you are. All they care about is that you are paying their salaries to watch exactly. the games or go to the games. Exactly. And you know, things like that. It's just like, what am I doing with my life? You know, watching football is great. Like, I think it's a great, you know, stress reliever for me, but like how invested should I really be in, in that? And I think in my life, there have been times where that has eaten way too much of my time. Like there, there will be times where I'm surfing on the, the web, what the Cowboys are doing or watching highlights of the game I watched last night, rather than, you know, hanging out with my kids Sure. Or, you know, like, or anything like, you know, reading something that's going to add value to my mind. So right. I, I just think those things that take up a, a lot of space in our mind, when you lose someone you love, don't even, don't even get to like the neck area. They're down at right. the feet, even though that kind of doesn't really make sense. It doesn't travel <laughs> that way, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I know what you mean. It's lower on the priority list. That's and right. so as a result of that, you're not sweating. If, if you've got you know, if all that matters to you is like the upper echelon of things that we know matter, then all of a sudden you don't sweat other things. And even things like, you know, what, uh, you know, financial stuff or just like day-to-day details of life or what am I going to wear? Like fashion seems incredibly dumb, you know, when you've got this big thing on your heart and mind and that impacts trust. We were, we were talking about how we need to trust more, you know, over worry and that kind of thing. But then once it landed on Mother's Day, and we were going to talk about it on Mother's Day, we were like, obviously, stereotypically, moms are talked about as if they worry all the time. But I love, I love the approach that you ended up taking, because I think it's important for people, especially moms, to what you don't want to layer on is this guilt that like, and so from now on, you're never allowed to think about your kids and what decisions they're going to make. Like, right. That would be one, unrealistic, and two, as a result of that, unfair to tell people like, you're not you're not allowed to think about anything in the future or like what your kids are going to do or anything. And that's sometimes how I've heard don't worry preached or talked about is in a way that doesn't nuance the difference between worry and concern. So like, I appreciated that you talked about that and brought it up. And I don't know, talk to me a little bit about that difference and how it plays out in your life. Yeah. I think that this is when it comes to the topic of worry, this is 
a huge distinction that we have to learn to make. And it's hard because it's the lines there are very blurry and you can convince yourself you're doing one when you're really doing the other. Honestly, you can, I've done it which so is, many times. Which is interesting that you can convince yourself you're concerned when you're actually worried. That makes sense that in other words, we would justify sin, Sure, but you can actually do it the other way too, yeah. where you can be worried. I mean, you can actually just be concerned and it's fine, but you're, your guilt and the accusation is welling up of like, Oh no, I'm worrying about this too much. And like, no, it's, it's okay to like, you know, think through this. You don't have to be laden with guilt just because you care. <laughs> yeah. I think the way I distinguish from those is like, I, what's sad is I didn't even say this in the message time, you know, time, but um, Hey, this is why you listen to the podcast, right? This is right, why you share hopefully. it with your friends yeah. you a little extra. <laughs> but for me, the way I distinguish with distinguish if I'm concerned or if I'm worried is if I can ultimately let it go. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not staying up at night like it's, it's not consuming me to the point where I can't sleep, where I can't get it out of my head. Like, I think concern is something like I have concern for my kids. And, you know, I think like, I want their, their futures to be stable. I want them making wise decisions, but I don't go to bed at night thinking like, Oh my word, they made a bad decision and it wrecks my night. No, I'm like, man, God, help me correct that. Help me fix that. Like I have concern. I have steps I need to take, but it doesn't consume me. Mm-hmm. And worry, I think for a lot of people, they just can't get rid of it. it. It's it's there, even with like the loss of a job. I've lost a job before and I've been at a place where I've worried over it. Like I just, what am I, what are we going to do? And it, you just, you can't get away from it. It doesn't matter what you, you could, I could turn the Cowboys on and I'm thinking about, I don't have a job, you know, right. the things that normally would distract you don't anymore. And that's kind of that crossing the line of like, man, worry it, it, again, it's, it's zoomed in on you. And you can't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And the like last thing you do is pray for it. You know, you think uh, I got to fix this when concern says I can't fix this. God can, I got to go to the one who can like, there's just a different mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people probably not feeling guilty about things that they should related to this. And there's people feeling guilty about stuff that they shouldn't. And that's, yeah, I love the idea that fixation is the, the telltale sign. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's how you can tell the difference. And um, uh, one thing that I love about moms and mother's day in all this is that like, you're not concerned about something if you don't care, like it would be a bad sign and right. we, we can all recognize it in parents or in any kind of relationship when something bad happens or concerning happens and a parent doesn't like literally doesn't care. Like they don't, they don't take action. They don't protect their kids. They don't provide for them or whatever that's like, we can immediately sense like, oh, that's wrong, right? Like, what do you mean? You don't care about what happens to your kids, but yet we, we heap guilt on moms for being like worry warts all the time. And it's like, well, in some ways, while, while worry is ultimately displeasing to God and Jesus says clearly not to do it, it's rooted in a good place of like, no, they care. Like yeah. the initial instinct to care is very good. The initial instinct to have concern, very good. And in fact, Paul is excited about Timothy having concern, but it's where it crosses that line and where Jesus begins to say, no, do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow. Um, yep. I have all this in control. Don't worry about what you eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. The, you know, the pagans worry about those things. Your father in heaven knows that you need them. Yeah. Ashley, you like pulled me out of worry. It's interesting. <laughs> so when we, when we go on trips to Israel, I get really worried about the kids. Like I'm away. I don't see them. And I'm like, I act like as if, 
I'm, I'm not coming back. Like, honestly, I get the weepy and I'm like, I'm going to miss you guys and I'm never going to see you again. And I'm like, you know, and Ashley sees it in me all the time. Poor woman has to deal with me. And so this trip to Israel, she was like, Drew, are you planning on coming back? And I was like, yeah. She was like, well, then why are you doing this? And honestly, right. like sometimes it's just common sense and like trust in God. Like I, I, I think worry is the opposite of trusting God. Like I think of moms that stay up at night, they can't go to sleep because their kids are not home yet. And it's like, do you really not trust God enough mm-hmm. to bring your kids home? Do you not trust God enough to, or his plans? Like if he does choose to do that, mm-hmm. even though you wouldn't want it, it comes back to that core, like truth, trust. And I just think at, at at a lot of levels, we don't trust God where we should. Right. And um, I'm the kind of person who appreciates nuance and like, we mean this, but not this. And that's what was so helpful to me about this message is uh, normally I'm the kind of person who would just say like, your English Bible is an amazing translation. Don't, the average person doesn't need to worry about like spending a ton of time in the Greek or something like we have awesome translations. That's fine. You don't need to feel like you're missing your Bible just because you don't know Greek, you know? Right. Um, but this is a good example of a time when translators are not trying to hide information from you, but it would be easy to miss the fact that like he, Paul's talking about Timothy. I have no one who has so much concern for the believers. And yet, um, Jesus says, do not worry. And you would miss the fact that those are the exact same word. And so this is a good example where like from time to time, it is helpful to, you know, like pick up a study Bible. If you're, if you're having, if there's a topic that seems like the Bible is unreasonable, like do not worry. It's like, well, how do I not care? You know, I have to at least care about what my kids are going to do or what they're going to wear. Like something has to put clothes on them. So how do I not like, where's the line? And if if the the Bible feels like, I don't know, it's asking something that doesn't make any sense. Perhaps it is asking something that only God can deliver in your life. And that's often true. But at the same time, it could be that there's more to the story. And this is a good example where original readers would have been able to put together that this term shows up in multiple places, both positively and negatively. Well, and for anybody who's listening, you don't need to know Greek to do a little research. Like, I think this is where a lot of people like, you know, they, they get mad at God for saying, do not worry. But like, if you got questions, like go after them. This is what it means to, to follow Jesus. Like the disciples had questions, you know, they weren't void Mm -hmm. of questions, but they hung out with Jesus more and they asked their questions and, you know, Hey, ask somebody if you don't know, or do some, like, this is, this is to me that this is exciting. I'm not like a deep theological scholar by any means, but man, it's fun when you read your Bible and you have a question and you're like, okay, let me, let me figure this out. Like, there's nothing more exciting than growing your faith when you take the journey with God to answer some of the questions that you have about the Bible, just you and God. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a theological degree. You just need some time and some energy and go after it, search after it. I'm telling you, your faith will grow tremendously. If you got a question about the Bible, you just dig in a little bit. Do I love some that. research. And if you, if you spend the rest of your life needing a pastor to explain it, or if you spend the rest of your life hoping that every sermon you ever hear will have the full picture, then you're going to be very disappointed <laughs> by <laughs> yeah, preaching, yeah. by, you know, nobody, um, nobody will ever give you everything. So if you, the kind of person who's like, I had questions, so I'm going to dig in. I love the questions what I get when somebody says, I heard you say this on Sunday. And rather than just saying, and so tell me the answer, they say something to the effect of, 
And so I did a little digging. I came up with this and I'd love your take that, like you said, that's the start of a kind of faith growth that will never be stopped. So Drew, thanks for, uh, thanks for that insight on mother's day to all the mothers and the women listening. We're so thankful to you. And I know this is a painful day for many, um, either because of your mom not being around anymore or not being able to have kids, or there's a million reasons why this could be painful. We just want to say to all those folks listening, we hear you, we see you. And, um, we're grateful for the moms that God has given us. And we're praying for another year where we can honor them all the time. Not just now. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you.